Audioversity, the voice of Reichman University. The Baseline, stories from the courts with Jonathan Rears and Mayor Cohen. Hey, Baseline listeners, I'm Mayor Cohen. Today, I'm here with my co-host, John Rears. What's up? Today, John and I are going to bring you our first episode in our Baseline podcast series. We have a great episode interview with Ofek Reef. He's going to tell us about his story with Yeshiva University basketball and the great success they've had in the States, along with his career so far playing in Israel. We have lots of similar stories like this with Israeli league superstars and players in America, and we really look forward to telling their stories over your ears. I'm really excited to share with you guys this podcast. I do believe that we have a unique platform that gives players the opportunity to share their story from America, all over Europe, and playing in Israel now. I really do believe it's going to be fun. I look forward to seeing you guys every single week. We're going to have some video clips as well. Let's get into it. Now welcoming on a very special guest to the podcast. We got the man, the myth, Ofek Reef. We got a baller, man of the people. Thanks for hopping on with us. Uh, just thanks for coming on the show. John and I were very excited, you know, uh, just to get a real ball on the show. Someone with some serious basketball experience. How you someone, doing? Someone with some bounce, too. Yeah, we, we were that watching. Bugs Bounty Bounce, bro. Yeah, so we were watching the high school oh, highlights. First, <laughs> Those are crazy. First of all, I appreciate you guys for having me on. Uh, you know, I'm doing well. Uh, and besides that, the bounce, you know. Got to work a little bit on it. Oh, yeah? Here and there. Yeah. Lost it a bit. You know, it's coming back. It's coming back. How's it going in uh, Maccabi Aco right now? Uh, Apolaco. It's, Apolaco. Uh, it's well. We're, uh, uh, I think, eight games into the season, seven and one. Um, and then, you know, we have cup games also, so undefeated in the cup, the cup games. But, you know, out here doing my thing, really. There you go. All right, man, we wanted to just ask you, handful of questions about ball about being in a jewish high school jewish college and wanted to just pick your brain a little bit and my first question for you is what really i'm i'm sure you get this a lot but what brought you to play at yavna dallas which is a modern orthodox jewish school you know um maybe not getting as much recognition as you would want of going to like a prep school or something. What what made that decision clear for you? Right. So I mean, I was I was raised in the public school system up until junior year. You know, my freshman year, I think I, I couldn't even tell you how many times I got hurt in high school. But you know, I was bouncing from injury to injury. You know, I was having some arguments with some of the coaches. I was transferring a lot also. So you know, at the end of the day, I I knew the coach over at Yavna through the Maccabi games, the USA Maccabi games. And, you know, he, he was biting my ear off, trying to convince me since ninth grade, you know, you got to come to Yavna. Like, you'll get better looks. You'll get better looks here because you'll actually play. You'll put up numbers, this and that. And I just kind of ignored them, you know. For me, going to a modern Orthodox Jewish school wasn't wasn't even in the picture at that point. And I got to my my junior year. You know, I didn't play. I transferred. I transferred once again my junior year. And at that point, I realized, look, like I can play AAU junior and senior year, but it might not give me the recognition and, you know, what I really need to get out of about a basketball to get to a collegiate level. So, you know, I, I decided to hold myself back a year, redo my junior year at Yavna. So I did two years at Yavna, five years of high school. 
So, um, so what you're saying is that you think you got more recognition because you went to Yavne. Right. You know, I, I think it, it doesn't matter where you play, you know, you could be at a one a school, six, a school, you know, I, I know every state has their own divisions, but Texas wise, one a is the smallest, you know, you got 20, maybe 20 kids that go to the school. If you can hoop, you can hoop, you know, people are going to find you no matter where you're at. So if it doesn't matter where you play, if you're putting up the numbers, you know, people are coming people are talking about you. The recognition is going to, you're going to get that recognition. Right. For sure. I actually had a question for you. I'm going to introduce myself a little bit. I'm Mayor Cohn, you know, big, big basketball fan in general, big fan of what you did at YU, which kind of, you know, leads up to my second question. Uh, you know, I'm from a small high school, right, in Chicago, and, and a lot of those guys, it was, you know, modern Orthodox high school, um, kind of similar to Yavne, but they really, their dream was to play for YU. And, you know, it's kind of crazy because everyone's from different backgrounds on that YU team. You know, I wouldn't say that most of those guys grew up thinking, oh, man, you know, one day I want to play for YU. I'm sure there was a handful, but a lot of them just had those, you know, unique basketball journeys that led them to be at YU. So, with you know, with that being said, the, the way you guys were playing, obviously so well at YU, ended up bringing, you know, that attention and that, that media and that hype to the way you guys were playing. So at what point in your career at YU did you really feel like, wow, you know, it all paid off, like switching, going to those schools, five years of high school, and then you guys finally made it. You started playing well together. And when did that really click that you guys were going to be something special? I mean, I can tell you the moment the moment I went on that visit, um, my senior year of high school was really when I, I went out there. You know, I stayed with some of the guys, watched, watched them tear apart Brooklyn College, I think by 40. And the most intriguing part of that, that game that I watched was just – they don't set ball screens. We don't set ball screens. So like you're watching the game as someone who doesn't know the offense and you're like, okay, if you know, this guy, this guy who doesn't look like he knows anything about basketball is scoring, you know, 15 points and you got, you got everyone, everyone's contributing to the game offensively and defensively. That's a system where everyone can thrive, especially, especially if you're lacking, you know, maybe you're not the best shooter you can't finish under the you can't finish under the rim very well. So it it really just brings out the best in everyone's games because you know you can if you're not a good finisher, you know you're flaring out for a three. You know you got backdoor cuts to finish at the rim. So when I was watching that, I kind of really just said, you know what, I think why use the place I got to go. And it's also you know I spoke with Coach Steinmetz. You want to go to a place where you want it. You don't want exactly like, exactly. I, I know a bunch of kids. You know that I graduated with that went to public schools that are sit, sitting on the bench right now, riding it, you know, that they, they haven't touched court since three years ago. So, you know, instead of saying, Oh yeah, I go D one. Okay. Let's pull up the stats real quick. Zero minutes, zero points, zero, nothing. Right. So, you know, you go D three. And like I said, if you're, if you're a hooper, people will find you. It doesn't matter where you're at. Right. I sure. Ryan's Ryan's G league hooper. I'm overseas. We'll get we'll get we'll get to Ryan. We'll get to Ryan. <laughs> Both the Halperts are overseas also. So, you know, it's just it doesn't matter where you go, like I said, but you know, that I think my senior year, I was like, okay, I think this is the best best decision for me. You know, so, I had a few other colleges I was looking at. From a non basketball aspect, what were what were you thinking about why you? Oh, dude, I, <laughs> the, <laughs> interesting it's a <laughs> interesting world, right? You know, I I mean, obviously, like, I'm Israeli, you know, I, I grew up, like, I was born in Tel Aviv, but, you know, growing up outside of Dallas, you know, not, not many, like, black hats or, like, 
you know, Orthodox Jews where I grew up, you know, especially going into the public school system. So, you know, the first the first minute I got off the plane and, you know, I got to YU, I was like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> I was like, I was like, what? I could imagine what is going that. On That's here? crazy. They're crazy over there sometimes. Right. And, you know, it kind of took me a while to get adjusted to it. And, you know, I, I look back and I still, I, you know, that's one of the reasons why I left a year early, which, I mean, we can go into that a little bit later if you guys want. But, um, you know, I just like I wouldn't say I didn't fit in, but I didn't fit in. You know, like it was just, like it wasn't my crowd. You know, we, you know, obviously I had the, I had some of the guys who weren't as religious. So, you know, I'd, I'd hang out with them. You know, we go out. But majority of the time, you know, Friday, Saturday came around and I'm stuck in my apartment on my phone or I'm, I'm playing Xbox. So I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, dude, why? Like, why am I not at a state school playing ball there? Right. Like I can go out party Friday, Saturday night. And I'm just like, you know what? We'll stick through it. Right. right? Do you do you feel at all that that kind of culture of like, you know, I'm sure they're focused on their studies a lot in school. But do you do you think that really helped lift the ball team in, in, in kind of like the situation where there wasn't too much, you know, outside distraction in terms of, you know, party and having a good time? Obviously, that takes away from the experience a little bit. But do you feel that kind of maybe locked you into, you know, becoming that baller? I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I, I feel bad. I feel bad for coach. I mean, he, he for sure knows also. But like we I mean, you got guys, you know, especially last year's team. I think it was more spread out where we had. We had very religious guys, and then we had, like, low end of the scale like me where, you know, nobody, we don't keep Shabbat. We don't – I'll keep kosher, but, like, you know, Shabbat, like, we had people going out, and we, we're throwing parties left and right, you know. <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, you still you still get a college experience. It's it's just a very interesting college experience. You know, yeah. you're, on, you're on campus with a bunch of guys. You know, you're not, you're not seeing girls in class. So, it's like, for me, it was just very weird being there and, like – just getting adjusted to everything. But, you know, basketball wise, I think the thing that helped us out the most was not even, you know, not being able to go out and do stuff. It was more of the fact that, you know, we had my freshman year, we had Tyler Hode, who's now in rabbinical school, becoming a rabbi, talking to us pregame. Yeah, they don't have that at Duke everything. though, you know, that, that's what makes it different. <laughs> I mean, they have Coach Schreier now, so who knows? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so you, know, you... I, I, I think that respect between you know the guys who aren't religious and the guys who are religious and you know nobody's really saying much about it you know I'm not going over to someone and clowning them for being religious and they, he's not coming over to me trying to like push being religious on me so you know that respect off the court kind of translated on that's great um so you touched upon um how you left school like a year early uh what what made that decision spark? Why did you decide to come here and play professionally? Right. So, you know, I had a great opportunity over summer. I played in the Maccabi games in Israel uh, with honestly great, great players, great coach. Um, you know, I think everyone on that, everyone on that roster besides me and two other kids were D3. Everyone else was, you know, D1 or Ivy League. So, you know, I got a phone call about two weeks before it happened. You know, I went to tryouts. It was good hoopers, you know, everyone, you know, from all levels. But, you know, they called me after the tryouts and they said, look, we got a three-on-three spot for you. I told them, no, thank you. I'm not playing three-on-three. 
Um, then, you know, coaching, coaching adjustments. This coach got a job at a D1, so he can't do it anymore. A new coach comes on. He's got to go coach somewhere else. And then comes along uh, Doug Got. Don't know if you've heard of the guy. Used to be a sick basketball player at Oklahoma State. Led the NCAA in assists. And I want to I say he works for Fox now. You know, crazy, crazy guy. But very, very nice dude. You know, called me about 50 times didn't pick up because I just didn't know what the number was for like Philadelphia number, which was the assistant coach. And, you know, two weeks before I even have to be out in New Jersey for training camp. And I told him, I was like, look, realistically, am I going to play? You know, you're calling me two weeks before you're, you're probably just trying to fill a spot. And, you know, in the end, I talked with coach time talked with a couple, I talked to my parents, you know, and I just ended up going just, you know, to meet people and to, to, to have the experience of just, you know, being in Israel with like-minded people, meeting new, meeting new people, you know? And in the end, I, I got a good opportunity. You know, I played in several of the, I want to say round robin games and championship game comes along, you know, I'm two days before I get tested with, I get, I get tested strep, you know, I'm positive for strep. Ah, so I'm in, I'm in bed with like 102 fever. I'm thinking, oh shit, I'm not gonna play. And you know, the the staff tells me, yo, you gotta go pick up your own medicine. I was like, why? You know, <laughs> so it was just like I had a text coach, I had a text coach Gottlieb, you know, they 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 kind of ran around the place and they ended up bringing me my medication Sunday, championship Sunday. Oh man. At 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 noon. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's Israel for you, though. Take into account, I haven't, I haven't gotten out of bed. I haven't gotten out of bed for about two days. I'm just, I was stuck in bed that's for like, two days. It's like it's all MJ's, you know, his, his flu game. That's just your right, just right. And stuck. if you go look at my Instagram, I, I posted about it. Oh, strep game. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> legit. I like, legit. I like the foreplay coming in. <laughs> that's really nice. So you know, I take, I take the medication at noon, and I'm like, you know what? I'll go to practice. I'll see how I feel. I think. I, Rent, you know, we we do like these jogs to warm up. Jog like twice around the court. I'm like, nah, dude, like, I can't <laughs> play. Can't play. So you know, I, I talked. I, I talked with the coach. I was like, look, bro, like, if I play, it's gonna be maybe like 30, 30 seconds to a minute. Pull me out. I'll go right back in. You know. But you know, I I think I ended up playing about thirty five minutes in that game. Wow, thirty five. Had I want to say sixteen. You know. Locked up their late sixteen, yeah. Late sixteen. There you go. There you go. The <laughs> was not, I can tell you it was not light. <laughs> um, but you know I, that 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 got me a lot of recognition out here in Israel. You know, I had coaches reaching out to me. You know, agents reaching out to me, and um, you know, NCAA rules. I couldn't really talk to them, so I just sent them over to my dad. <laughs> like, yo, you talk to him. Um, you know, in the end, it was just kind of. Uh, situation where I was having problems with the school, which I'm not, I'm not really going to get into because I don't want to, I want to do why you like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> got you, got you. Um, you know, it was, it was more of a situation where, you know, I can finish my studies online, which I'm in the middle of doing right now. And I get to play and I get to play and, and, and make a career out of what I, what I love to do. So it was kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. Th there you go. Student athlete there. That that's really doing it. Yeah, exactly. That's a professional student athlete. You know? Yeah. That's how you got to go. Um, so going back to Yavne and Yeshiva, um, I've always been curious. I played at MIMO and we played against a bunch of Catholic schools and whatnot. 
But me personally, I never experienced any like anti-Semitism going on. But since you guys, you guys really got like a spotlight on you and like everything was shining on you guys for a solid minute. And then like even now people are still talking about it. People are talking about Ryan and all that. But I just want to hear from you if you guys experienced any anti-Semitism in the locker in the locker rooms, off the court, on the court, all that. Uh, me, I mean, high school, high school, I don't think that I, I didn't hear anything, you know, maybe here and there. It was, it wasn't anti-Semitism. It was just people talking to me off, you know, cause dropping 30 on them. So they're just <laughs> kind of pissed off. <laughs> they're kind of pissed off. They got nothing you know, else got to say. You know, I had parents yelling at me saying I'm a grown ass man. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was 18 at the time. I had a beard. So yeah, <laughs> not wrong. I, I am grown, but. Um, you know, high school is like, like you said, you know, we also play Catholic school. So, you know, you go in, you see some paintings, you see like the paintings themselves were the most anti-Semitic things we, we see Wow! In, in high school. When I got to YU, I, I didn't have any situations. I think I had one at NJCU. I honestly couldn't even re re recall what he said to me, but you know, was this a player? Way, or a fan? Way, it was a, it was a player. Oh, wow. On my way to the free throw line, he said something. I, you know, I don't even listen to him. <laughs> yeah, it's you know best way to best way to shut him up is to beat him. So yeah, there you go. I mean, you guys had some serious success there. So I mean, as just as a fan watching, uh, for me, I was just always thinking like, you know, you hear all this time about this anti-Semitism, but it's good to hear from you that like I feel like there was just so much respect in that uh, in that area, especially when you guys were on that hot streak. That you know, people were more impressed than than even jealous or something. And it was something that was never been done before which is obviously really cool. And I kind of wanted to segue into another question. Like you guys in your obviously amazing run that you had there, I'm sure, you know, uh, maybe it, it started out, they had some things available for you guys, but as you guys were getting, getting better and getting, you know, more recognition for the program, there were, I mean, I'm just assuming maybe there were some more things that they kind of threw in there that they didn't have before. Maybe was it was to help you guys prepare for the games or something, or to have you guys help recover in that kind of way, you know, did something change along the way? Did they, did they get better equipment or was it kind of just the same way the whole time? So my freshman year, it was kind of, it, it was very steady, you know, like we have, we have one trainer. And that's it. Yeah. And and that's one trainer for six, seven sports. So, that's you crazy. know, you, you got to go in online. You got to, okay, I got an appointment with, with Xavier at three o'clock. Right. And then I got to go to class at three 30. So you don't really, it's kind of like, it, it's kind of an issue with, it was an issue with the trainer um, because, you know, we didn't have proper equipment, right? Like we didn't have Norma text. We didn't have, we didn't have anything that you really needed, you know, where you could just go in and you put it on yourself. You don't need, you don't need the trainer. Um, you know, we had a gun where, where we could shoot, it would rebound, but that broke down halfway through the year. <laughs> uh, and they, nobody fixed it. Uh, I mean, that's basically it, you know, like we, we, you know, we, we'd want to get into the gym. We text security. We'd be like, yo, like we need the gym open or, you know, we text Greg, our, our AD and we say, look, we need the gym from here from, from this time to this time, we close the gym down and, you know, all the students would just watch from, the, from outside the gym when we'd play pickup, but my sophomore year, you know, that was COVID year. So we only had seven games. It was about the same. Uh, gun wasn't working, you know. Nothing, yeah. no, nothing's working the way it's supposed Nothing to be. changed. And, you know, I was asking for Normatex and, you know, all this gear for, for Xavier, our trainer, to have. Because, you know, why is he why is he putting up with, you know, 15 kids walking into his, uh, yeah, into his office? Exactly. Saying, Look, I got a... 
I got, I got a, I got a calf contusion or I got this and that. And, you know, he's trying to juggle everything all at once. So, you know, junior year comes around and we get all this, all this brand new equipment, which is the Norma Techs, you know, the hypervolts and like, like all the stuff that, that, that a program needs for, for their athletes. And, you know, we, man, I'd go in there every day. I just sit there for an hour, put the Norma Techs <laughs> on, I fall asleep. I just, you know, cause I was just so happy. It took, Took them two years to actually get the equipment we needed, but um, you know, outside outside of the training stuff, we we really didn't have much. You know, it was like we like we really came out the mud. <laughs> exactly. How does I'm I'm curious how that compares to you know what you're playing with now and what you have here at your disposal. You know, it, how does that is it better? Is it worse? I mean, you got more available to you, you got less. I'd probably look. Like I got I got a weight room. I got a weight room, but you know, it's, you know, we, we have, we have trainers, you know, they're not on, they're not, they're not at the basketball courts. You know, if you get, if you get injured, you know, you gotta go get, you gotta go get your x-rays, your MRIs, you gotta get all that stuff done. And then, you know, after you do that, then you go, you go work out with the trainer, but I mean, it's really up to you. You know, third league is so much different than second and first league uh, out here. Uh, you know, we practice three times a week. We have a game Sunday. Uh, one, once a week so it, it's 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 truly different you know like when I came out here and I started playing I was like the three practices a week is crazy right like why you we practice five times maybe six times a week before season started and then we practice maybe three four times a week when we had when we had games so I mean you know just being just knowing how to take care of yourself and your body you know if your body's if your body's hurting you know and I got I got a good coach who you know respects it. So if you tell him, look, like can't go today, you know, still got to come to practice. But you just sit on the side, you watch, you know, try to try to get someone to improve, you know, improve yourself by you know watching and learning from you know the vets that that we have on the team. Right, a hundred percent. Also, yeah, I figured that you probably learned how to take care of yourself when you had none of that equipment in the, in those first couple of years. So I mean, that's a skill. Maybe yeah. if you played at some some bougie college and you have to come overseas because you see a lot of these guys. You know, we're in Hertzlia, right? Um, Benet Hertzlia is right here. They have all these American guys. And, John, you know, John and I always think how it's interesting, you know, changing from, you know, D1. Maybe they played some G League. Maybe they played some other places overseas. And they come over here. You know, they're in Hertzlia. You know, it's a nice place. But, you know, you're playing in front of, you know, a handful of fans every night. And maybe they don't have all the equipment and how they have to adjust. So, you know, it's interesting to hear from you how you really adjust, you know, throughout that whole career and, you know, every stage that you had. Which is uh, which is really cool. I wanted to ask when you know at what point did you always have the goal to play in Israel? At what point did you did you realize you know in your career that okay you know that's what I want to do? I want I want to be here and I want to you know start balling in Israel. I think it was kind of like instilled in me at a young age. Uh, you know my my grandfather was you know he's a diehard Maccabi Tel Aviv fan. You know he, he's he's kind of he's kind of crying right now since I'm playing for the Poil team, but um, <laughs> you know I. I mean, realistically, and, and and just being truthful to myself, it was more like I know I can't make the NBA. You know, I I'm not six eight, I'm not six nine. You know, I, yeah, I'm athletic, but you know, these guys are that are six one, six two. They're taking off from the free throw line. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? It's just it's just a different athletes. type of athleticism. So you know, I I kind of pictured myself playing in Israel. You know. The, the European basketball is also a completely different game than the NBA and, and anywhere in the States. So, I mean, for me, it was just where can my game translate the best? And I thought, you know, from a young age, I could translate it over to, to, to Euro ball. 
is your is your plan to stay in Israel or you if you got the opportunity somewhere in Europe you'd take it? Uh, ideally, I'd want to stay in Israel. You know, I mean, where that that's end of season conversation with the agent. Obviously, you know what teams are interested. You know where I could sign to. You know maybe maybe even as a practice player for a first league team. But um, you know it, it all it all depends. You know if if the situation is right. You know it's it's always possible. You know I I, I don't want to say no because. I mean, that's part of basketball, right? Like you sure. want to travel, like you get the opportunity to go to a different country and be there for a year. I, I, I don't see why you wouldn't take so it. So from what I'm hearing is like in your head is just like my profession is going to be basketball and wherever the opportunity lies, I'm going to grab that. Right. So we were talking about for a minute before about our boy Ryan popped off last night you see that 21 point yeah, game yeah, crazy 8 game, for 10 crazy that's, 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 that is efficient yeah. he's that looking is... quick out there you know he's like I don't know I, I feel like you know it's his first you know regular season game they're really getting him in you know 18 minutes and he's putting up you know 10 shots he's getting comfortable what do you what do you think the ceiling is over there for Ryan like how do you feel he's gonna play out the rest of the season yeah, I I wish him the best, you know. That, that that he really took me under his wing when I got to IU. So you know, me and him, me and him are boys. You know, I still talk to him here and there. So um, you know, ceiling that that's I, I think it's through the roof. Like it's through the roof, right? You know, I, you look at that roster and you you just you're like, who who there can really shoot the ball like Ryan? Besides sure. besides maybe besides maybe Buddy, nobody and. and no disrespect to Boheim, but Buddy, Buddy Boheim, you know, if he's fighting Ryan Terrell for minutes, it's kind of crazy. It's to pretty think crazy. About. I it's just also, no disrespect to Buddy, but I just don't think he. I just don't he's think not he's like Ryan. Ryan. He's not like not, Ryan. Not so the it's, same. it's kind of a situation where you know, yeah, you gotta you gotta kind of get comfortable. You know, he came off an injury yeah. before the season, um, so I, I think he's still. You know, I think he's finally starting to get into his groove. You know, he, uh, after after yesterday, you know, he should be feeling. 100% with the shots he's taken, you know, he, he, he was getting shots with the three, four minutes the coach was giving him earlier in the season. Um, you know, I think that has a lot to do with it. Ryan's a confident player and, you know, if the coach isn't instilling confidence in his players, it's, it's a, it's an issue anywhere you go. If your coach is, is, is bagging you down, you're not going to want to shoot. And if you do shoot, you're, you're going to shoot poorly. So, I mean, I think, I think now the coach understands he's like, look, like, this kid can hoop <laughs> and like that. Yes, sir. I think we all, and we all knew that Ryan could hoop. Yes, right? sir. We know that. Ask anybody. I remember we coming, I remember coming to the gym one time playing with you. And then I, Ryan's like, you got to play me one-on-one. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'm like standing above him. I doesn't do shit. Like you can't see me. You literally can't right. see me just shooting. All right. Look, that's how I felt three years at right? You know, I'd, I'd have to guard Ryan in practice. Cause you know, I was like, like if, if nobody else is going to guard him, I'll guard it him. Also, it, it, seems, you know? it seems like he also has a good opportunity playing under the Pistons, who aren't the strongest team. Um, right. There's definitely room for opportunity there. Say, whatever, people get hurt, people get traded, whatever happens, and he keeps balling like this. We could see a potential NBA viewing of Ryan Terrell. That's that's what we're trying to see. Right. And you know, while we're on the topic, we've got about four minutes left of this Zoom, so uh, that's what we're going to call for our timer. We want to, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more on this cast today in today's episode, a little bit about our, you know, MVP predictions. We just saw some crazy stuff going on in the NBA. Just from you, we want to hear from you, a baller. 
You know, however much you're following Yo, Dallas, the NBA no? this year. Is that Dallas? Dallas. You got Luca doing go, some crazy go stuff. Gotta go, Luca. Gotta go, Luca. <laughs> there we go. Go. Oh, that you don't even got to give me a list, bro. I'm taking Luca. 60, 20, and 10. Come on, bro. bro. That, that ridiculous. Was, that was I mean, ridiculous. he's carrying, but, you know, I just want to get your take. Like, who, who do you feel like, you know, we got the top five teams? Because I'm talking, I think everyone's saying the Celtics. I think everyone's saying, you know, maybe the Bucks, although they've been struggling. Then round out, round out the rest for me. What are your top three besides for those guys? Top three, yeah, obviously, it's definitely the Celtics, you know, like you said, uh, I mean, I, I just don't see the Celtics winning. Sorry to tell oh, you. Yeah, winning it all? Man, me neither. Do you they, see them coming out of the East? When it, they struggle when it comes to playoff time and when and when they play legit teams, right? Last you know, year, they were looking good. They were they they looked good. Well, <laughs> they, they got to the finals, <laughs> bro. No, no ring, man. Did, I, didn't, no ring. I, didn't, I didn't see Dallas in the finals last year. <laughs> Hey, I will say though, they look they look better than the Celtics, and they don't have much. I'll tell you that. That's true. That's that. true. That's they don't have true. much. They did have an impressive the, win of the Suns. And the thing, oh, we ate them. Yeah, we ate them. Luca, Luca wasn't you, taking deep books. If, if if they don't get Luca help. That's probably they, might, they gotta do something, man. They, they just made that Dirk statue outside. You know how long is it gonna be before that Lucas statue's there? Dirk was there for what twenty one years. He got one. Yeah. He got one chip. So I feel like this is prime time Luca. The guy's twenty three years old. You know I think he got at least three or four years left of prime Luca basketball. They gotta pull oh, some nah. strings. They gotta. Yeah, they gotta put something. Got a little more than that. Okay, it, more, more, game, than, more than three or four. It's because his game is just so different. And, and, and that's the thing. Now that we're seeing all these Euro Euro League guys coming in, the game's changing. Which, which you know, I I don't like watching NBA. I I think I maybe watched two or three basketball like legit NBA games this year. It sucks. The game sucks. It's true. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing good about the game. There's no defense. You know, the only good thing about watching the NBA is watching John Morant try to baptize someone. That, that's about it. Dude, that's he's crazy. But exactly what you're saying, I've been thinking too. I've been telling Mayor this like all year. Euroleague is on the come up, and like it is a serious, serious league now. That players in America are like, all right, I want to go ball in Israel. I want to go ball in France. I want to go ball in Greece. Yeah. All these and, places. And there's good money in all these in, in all these leagues also, and there's there's better competition if you, and, and the game is so much different. And the reason Luca, Jokic, you know, all these all these guys who are coming over from the Euro League are dominating dominating the NBA. One, there's no defense, zero, zero. Exactly, defense. different ball game. Two, the court. Uh, the court it's not smaller, but there's no room. Right, Every, there's there's more defense. So. The, the paint is compact. You can't you can't just get into the paint whenever you want. Here, Luca get, he Luca gets to the paint whenever he wants. Jokic gets to the paint whenever he wants because nobody helps. There's no defense. So that's why we're seeing crazy numbers like 60, 20, and 10. You know, Jokic 40, 25, and, and 8, right? Yeah, for sure. Because these guys are just – they dominated in Euro because they the game is just so much more different. Right. It's, it's much more right. open it's game you have here. Um, you know, in, in the U.S. and in the NBA. Hopefully, you know, we're going to see some crazy end of the season. We, we got about 40 seconds left on the Zoom, so I just wanted to say, you know, it, this was amazing. We had, our, you know, our first experience, our first guest. We are both very excited to make this happen. It really worked out. Uh, Tune you know, in. The Baseline, The Baseline man. Podcast. Soon out on all platforms. We got OFEC coming up right now, and now we got Simcha and Eitzan on the way. We got 
Hopefully Ryan will get some point. You know, we're working on it. I'll, I'll talk to him. I'll talk to him. I'll reach out. There we go. There we yes, go. sir. Got there you. we go. Our plug. Got when you. Simcha and Eitan come out, I hope that we can see you too. Maybe we'll get some runs in. Kick your ass again. <laughs> Yo, for real though, for real though, we appreciate you coming on. It was very easy, great conversation. And, you know, hopefully another time in the future. It was, it was a great time. We appreciate it. Actually, that's the Thank you. Thank you. Well, nah, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you. All right, that was great. We had Ofek with us. Ofek Reef on the cast, the baseline. The baseline, the first cast. Great guy, man. That was a great guy. That was, that was a great interview. Um, you know, I really liked, you know, really digging him about the YU. And you know, I, what I was trying to reach with that question is is how the equipment kind of upgraded. And like you said, when he started playing his junior year, you know, post-COVID, I'm sure they really improved all their equipment because I feel like if you're Yeshiva University, if you're YU, you're realizing that you're on ESPN, you you're in team. the New York Times. Yeah. People are writing about you when you were when, when you won 30 games in a row, when you won 40, and especially when you won 50. What are you doing to help that basketball team and right. to help the program grow to get new players to continue this? Because it's everyone not even, wants to watch it's Jews not even ball just out. as the basketball program. It is a program as a university. A university is a business, and if they are promoting their yeshiva basketball team, they should be giving them the essentials that they need to keep them at that level. He was saying before that, before the equipment upgrade, he didn't he didn't get like the most. He didn't get the most help that he could have had. Like, he could have gotten hurt more often without the trainer. 100%. He was saying one trainer for six or seven sports, which is crazy. That's you know, nuts. And these guys, as I said before, I mean, they're they're running five practices a week. They've got, I don't know, let's say two games a week. And you get you got you got a class at 3.30, and you're getting in with the trainer at 3. That's a little bit crazy. And for me, I really feel, you know, so much respect for these guys, for what they've been through, and, and, you know, how they had to, you know, fight throughout all of college, and how they, you know, they beat all the odds, man. 50-0. Yeah. Just an unbelievable run. It was great having Ofek on, and I, you know, I wish him all the success. He, he's a baller. He's a great player. You know, and that flu game, you know, that that cold that game. Flu, that's a cool that story. Imagine, imagine yeah. a strep throat, and you're like, you got a game. He ends up dropping what he says, drops sixteen, sixteen. You know, in some professional ball, like it's nothing. So that's very impressive. Very. You know? I was I was actually kind of uh, surprised when he said that he didn't really experience any anti-Semitism playing on that team. Like we are seeing such an uprise with it now. And we're seeing like people talking about it so much, but this team that was fully Jewish and wearing kippahs on the court, they had a lot of recognition. We didn't see it. He didn't see any anti-Semitism besides for that one guy, which still it sucks, but you would expect more, wouldn't you? Right. Yeah. As I was saying before, and, and I brought up, you know, I feel like they were really, you know, began to be respected as you know, as a real team, as someone to be, you know, a force to be reckoned with, which which they were, of course. And it's cool to see that, you know, maybe that respect did pan out into, you know, not a lot of anti-Semitism. And, you know, it's a team from New York. It's a team like, you know, just a bunch of Jews in New York balling out. They had a great time. You know, he was telling us about the success. And it's cool. It really opened them up for all those opportunities. You know, I wonder, you know, the team did so well. And it really feel like it set those guys up for success. It, you know, if, if all those pieces weren't at YU and they didn't go 50-0 and, and they didn't get all those headlines... Would Ryan have had the opportunity to play on in the G League? You know, would he would have would his name have been out there on draft boards? Would OPEC have had the same opportunities in Israel if that team didn't you know perform so well? So it's cool to see all those uh, you know all the all the aspects you know coming together and really helping these guys out in their basketball careers and in their careers in general. You know, as we talked in before, whether he's sure. playing in Europe, there's money to be made. Definitely, there's a lot of cool stuff they could do with their careers. And I liked what he said. You know, this is a Dallas guy, so we so we had Luca, obviously Luca with yes, 61, uh, 20 and 10, I believe, last night. When I saw that stat line, I was like, 
you know, if he dished out 20 assists, that's crazy. But it was 20 boards, and this guy is, you know, he's a guard for the most part. He plays a little bit of guard forward, and he's just I think, scooping 20 boards. I think boards. it has to go with exactly what we were saying about the EuroLeague. The EuroLeague is a very tough, they're, they're breeded to be tough. These guys are scrappy. They know how to get the ball. They know how to play physical. Luca knows how to play slow and physical. So that's why he can finish at such crazy angles and why he's getting these boards is because he's a big boy. He might not look like the biggest boy in the court, but he's he's a big dude. Yeah, he's up there. Yeah. So like him getting 20 boards obviously is surprising, but it doesn't surprise me to the sense like this is this is Europe basketball. That's what it is. And Ofek was saying it perfectly. The basketball world is shifting to a world sport and not just a usa sport definitely we saw that from ofec and we will uh for sure see that from jason sagers who is our guest next week we're both very much uh looking forward to that interview i'm excited to see him it's been a minute been a minute bro he's from dallas just like ofec and i think that he can really give us a different perspective of what it's like to be living around the world playing basketball around the world what it's like for an american dude to come and play in all these different places and I'm really excited. Uh, this episode was great, Mayor. I loved having Ofek here. There we go. Let's uh, let's kill Baseline it next week. Baseline episode one. Baseline episode one done. Looking forward to number two with Jason Siggers. We'll catch all the listeners on the flip side. Thanks for being here. Have a good day. Good night. Let's Not go. Let's go. The baseline stories from the courts with Jonathan Rears and Mayor Cohen. shows and podcasts available online on our website and on all podcast platforms. Search Audioversity. Call